0: This is Data Podcast. In the ever changing world of data, this is the podcast packed full of information to keep you right on top of all the developments. From AWS and Azure, through to data science, big data, AI, and NoSQL, and everything in between, we cover the essential updates from both a technical and non technical perspective, including special guests and in depth interviews. Now, please welcome your hosts, Rajib Baha and Shabnam Khan, with today's episode of Data Podcast.
1: Our guest today is Frank Levine. Frank Levine leads the data and analytics practices at Wintelec and co-hosts the Data Driven Podcast. He blogs regularly at Frankworld.com, and you can watch him on his YouTube channel, Frank's World TV, at Franksworld.tv. This is Shabnam, and I'm co-hosting with Rajib today. Welcome to our show, Frank.
2: Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: So we are so glad to have you in our show. Uh, Rajit, take it away.
3: All right. Thank you, Shamram. So I know you've gone through some uh, really exciting certification uh, projects. Actually, you've done gone through Microsoft's Professional Certification for Data Scientists and also you're training others in this area. What are the four units of this data science certification program and where does the you need some modules also overlap with Microsoft, another certification around like big data. Right. So I found myself
2: about a year ago, kind of, uh, I was uh, laid off from Microsoft and, and pondering what my next career move would be. And I knew I wanted to get into data science, but I didn't really know where to start. So I, I investigated a number of programs. And um, at this time, I think the Microsoft program had been out um, for a month or two and I um, you know, given the cost to get the official certification versus the um, the cost to do this at a university or some other means, uh, it really was, uh, particularly for someone who was laid off, <laughs> uh, cost, cost was a bigger factor than normal. And um, I decided that, um, you know, at the time it was $49 a class. Now it's uh, $99 a class. Um, so I decided to pursue that. Um, and then kind of see, see where the wind took me from there. Uh, and um, so there, the program is, um, um, uh, basically nine classes and one final capstone project. Um, it's broken up into several modules. Uh, you know, one is kind of introducing data science, uh, which kind of covers, you know, how do you, how do you query relational data? Um, uh, to how do you analyze and visualize data. Uh, then there's kind of a middle part where they talk about understanding statistics uh, and core data science concepts. Um, and then kind of the final one is, you know, what's this, what is machine learning? How do you understand it? Uh, and at that point you can start doing um, a couple of different uh, electives. You know, what what exactly did you want to um, pursue in that? and uh, I, I had chosen um, basically applied machine learning. Uh, in other words, like how would you use machine learning in real-world problems? There was also one, um, you know, integrating um, Cortana with your experience and and things like that. And um, I also, you also have a choice of language to pursue, as as you know, um, there's the, the the two languages of data science right now are R and Python. Um, I originally was going to go with R, but I decided that um, I would go with Python. Um, and I made this decision, you know, last year. So I was like, well, if this data science thing doesn't work out, there's plenty of other uses for Python. Mm-hmm. That's right. um, IoT or whatnot. And, you know, as I dove into the syntax and stuff, I think as someone who comes from a Java, C Sharp, Perl background uh, in my career, um, Python kind of made more sense to me. R is kind of a, different mental
3: philosophy in terms of a language oh that's great And um, in fact when you mentioned that you were laid off from microsoft about a year ago i recently mm-hmm. met an acquaintance i heard that he also um, got laid off from microsoft recently and if if he hadn't gotten laid off then he would have been in las vegas in microsoft ignite 2017 so <laughs> you know with all the news that that is happening around the las vegas oh, that's right yeah. mass shooting so i was like oh in a way that's kind of bit of (laughs) a silver lining. It's one of those things where I look back on it now Mm -hmm. and
2: it was always my dream to work at Microsoft. And uh, my time there, I spent five and a half years there, Mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, a full, nearly two years longer than I spent at any other employer. Yep.
3: Um,
2: And I would have stayed, if they would have me, I would have stayed another 10. Uh, But, um, you know, getting laid off, kind of looking back was one of the best things that ever happened to me. because I was kind of I was in a it was in a very I was in a very unique kind of role, and my role. skill sets were really dependent on Windows client application development, Windows Phone development, mm-hmm. uh, Windows 10 UWP development, uh, which are fun technologies, but you know realistically the marketability of those technologies is shall we say subpar. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I found myself kind of looking for work with just those core skill sets i realized that you know the only place my skills were marketable were at microsoft and um i i just decided that you know that is a big risk i mean to put kind of your eggs at all in one basket and you know i really had the chance to it's going to sound really corny but i'll say it anyway i mean use the uh, use what happened as an opportunity to make myself a better person. Yeah, that's the best way to go about it.
1: Thank right. you. That's awesome. Uh, so I know that you have just touched um, a little more, um, a little bit on Cortana intelligence on your certification course. Can you tell us a little bit on that, as specifically what sort of commitment and technical knowledge is required for that Capstone project in data science certification?
2: So what's interesting about the Capstone project is, um, so one of, the, one of the background challenges to this was convincing my wife that no, who was a very patient, wonderful woman, uh, would <laughs> would be to convince her that I needed to take time off to completely go from being a client application developer into data science. I needed to, you know, stop what I was doing and retool, um, and really retool, relearn, and um, just focus solely on this. And um, she was very patient, but I didn't want to overextend that. So I, I worked really hard. Uh, I. Finished everything, start to finish, in about six and a half months, and uh, I would have done it in four and a half months uh, if the capstone project was offered every month. Uh, it's only offered every quarter, and um, so that was a little that was a little stressful. <laughs> uh, but there's a silver lining there too that I'll get to. But um, the capstone project. Uh, so first off, um, I was the first class that went through the new style of capstone project that they do. They do it in conjunction with a third party, um, and um, as opposed to before, they kind of ran it solely through EdX. Now they, they there was a, basically an open data science challenge website uh, yeah. where they uh, where they they pull in the problem space, and um, I was I was ready, you know, I I I I felt like a boxer or you know somebody in the UF, uh, UFC space where I was training, I mean hardcore day and night. Uh, learning this stuff, I was ready for like you know a full on you know marathon ten rounds of just pure data science like you know battling. Um, so I, uh, I I connected with um, a gentleman named Kent Bradshaw who was also going through the program, and um, Andy Leonard who's who has been a guest on your show previously. I um, uh, was a mutual friend, and he said you know Kent's going through this program too. I think he's looking for a partner to work on the Capstone project. And I said, oh, that's great. So am I. And um, (laughs) so we ended up going through it. And I mean, I'm not sure. In the whole Capstone project, while there was a challenge and you you really did apply everything you learned throughout the entire pro uh, problem, I think I made it so big in my mind that when I finally got to the project, it was almost anticlimactic Mm -hmm. when I was like, you know, I was going through this and, and I was like, um, I think in, in this, you have a four weeks to do it. And I think I did it in about like 14 days. So I was like, you know, when I submitted my first model to, to go for it, I like, I kind of, the problem space was basically, um, determining, um, student loan repayment, uh, rates for various, um, students and universities. And, um, it was basically configuring that, and there was a uh, there was a number of things that they had said that you know you had you have a root had to have a root mean squared error of um, you know that really determined your grade. So if you had a root mean square error value of twelve and up, you know you didn't pass. as as you got lower, you got a higher grade. So I was just completely shocked when kind of glowing through my notes and I took i took I feverishly took notes for like six months, so I had a whole stack of legal <laughs> patents. And um, so I was going through and, and, you know, some of the problems seemed like problems that we had faced in earlier classes and earlier final exams. And um, make a long story short, although it's probably too late at this point, um, it was a lot like uh, one of the earlier classes. So I applied to same methodology and, um, and algorithms and first shot I got basically a, a root mean squared error of, of seven and a half, which is, was enough to basically get 100% on the, on the final that's awesome. Nice. So uh, it's, I was so excited. I, uh, you know, yeah. cause you had that moment and while well, the thing kind of processes the value and I was just like sweating and like holding my breath. And, <laughs> and then when it, when it came back a hundred, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I wow. refreshed the page. And, um, so it almost felt anticlimactic at that point, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was super excited as they say at Microsoft and, uh, and then after that I had to submit the final paperwork and then that's peer-reviewed and um, so it was uh, when it was over it was like wow this is great I, I, I I've done it you know uh, um, it was a, it was a, a tremendous
3: sense of accomplishment that's so cool I may have to borrow or steal your notes sometime <laughs> yeah there you go somebody <laughs> said I should turn them into a book maybe I will yeah that's a good idea and um, let us know if you need it need some sort of book review done cool cool i'm sure you you probably have seen this uh scenario as you're learning about data science or going through that certification from time to time somebody says "Ooh, coffee is unhealthy based on a study or somebody else uh, is mentioning some other counter study no it's totally healthy you could literally live off of it problem free so the question is, does statistics or overfitting a data model play any role in this kind of, you know, confusing studies or country studies?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think it was Mark Twain who said there's lies, damn lies, statistics. <laughs> and statistics. Um, and So, I mean, statistics can be statistics in and of itself is a field of study devoted towards, I guess, understanding the nature of numbers. Can those numbers be selectively revealed to come to the conclusion that you want to? Absolutely. So I heard a joke the other day, uh, and it was a, it was a statistician went duck hunting and, um, he shot up too high the first time. And then the second time he shot down too low and he says, I got one, (laughs) (laughs) I guess with the thinking that, you know, the average in there, yes, he got a duck probably. Um, and I think absolutely. In fact, when I, when I took the stats, uh, class, you know, when, when you're making a career shift at any age um, or when you're further along in your career, it, it, it's difficult. I mean, you have to you have to unlearn some of the things you've learned. You have to be uh, comfortable with uncertainty and not knowing, you know, not being the top dog anymore. And um, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. And so I really wasn't sure that this would be a successful transition until I took stats class and got through the stats class because it was that point that i understood kind of the the magic formula if you will of data science and ai um and that you know because from the outside looking in this data science thing this machine learning i mean it looks like magic uh and to quote another great author uh you know arthur c clark you know any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and 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 understanding statistics really kind of took away the magic it made a lot of sense now you know why this type of algorithm running a a, 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 reg- a regression why that works and that that really helped and it was actually that class which i think some took some time in late february early march that was when i said i'm a data scientist like it was it was that was the that was the highest hill to climb i That's won't funny. lie that class was hard yeah. but um that was the that was the highest mountain to climb and.
3: Everything after that had been kind of, it fell much more into place. When you're doing your STEM studies, let's say computer science or any other uh, technical field during your undergrad years, were there any moments you were like, what am I going to do with statistics or algebra or calculus? Yeah, I'm never going to use it at work. <laughs> oh, that yeah, I have, I brought,
2: I, it's funny, I have to be very careful how I say this because mm-hmm. uh, my son is in second grade and okay. he oh, apparently okay. loves math. He okay. loves math. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, he asked me once, uh, you know, last year, like, did you did you like math as a kid? And I, my, my first reaction was, oh, no. And I was like, <laughs> oh, what did I just say? <laughs> um, you know, fortunately, my wife, uh, who, who did get an undergrad degree in math, um, she loved math and she was able to distract him while I kind of backpedaled.
3: On okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good man. rescue. Uh,
2: yeah, it was a good rescue. Uh, we make a good team. And, uh, (laughs) um, and I, I mean, I think the way math is taught, um, from middle school on in, in the U S is, is, is atrocious. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm not blaming other people for my dislike of math, but I will say, as I've gotten older, I really appreciated the classes that I took in university and beforehand that I thought were garbage at the time. Mm. Um, you know, because I guess you could say I was that stereotypical coder. I just wanted to I just want to start slinging code, you know, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy learning the theory about computer science and uh, but I really just wanted to start slinging code and solving problems. And um, uh, I guess that's the impatience of youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I've gotten older, I, I've really come to appreciate that. Um, kind of wishing now that I'd taken more math classes, but I, at the time, I wouldn't have appreciated it.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I can relate to that feeling.
2: <laughs> i know i'm not alone in my in my <laughs> no, dislike sure. of math and mm-hmm. um i might be rare if not alone in my recent uh rediscovery of math <laughs> there mm-hmm. you go
1: <laughs> all righty so another cool thing you do is co-hosting the data driven podcast with andy leonard he was also our guest in the past In your Facebook page for Data-Driven Podcast, your listeners also get to become your viewers and see live videos from data science, SQL Server, and other technology-related conferences. What are some of the insights from recent big conferences?
2: I think what's really interesting in the answer to that is the classical um, consultant uh, answer is it depends. So I would say (laughs) what we're seeing, and you see it, what you see at these different conferences is the the approaching storm of AI and ML in all these fields. So a lot of data science uh, events right now that have been around for a year or two, they're very heavily focused on academic people, academic audiences. So there was one in in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, that I attended. Uh, It was hosted by Capital One. And, you know, I was in the speaker's room. And, you know, it was very clear who the academics were versus who the engineers were. Uh, One gentleman from... The University of Maryland, I mean, he, he, he fit the, if you think of a, a typical university professor, he had it. He had a little tweed suit on, very proper accent. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, and, and I think he met it as a compliment, <laughs> was that he's so excited now that these conferences now include practitioners like you.
1: Mm. I thought that,
2: that was interesting. It kind of depends, uh, right? It all depends. <laughs> yeah, I know. It could be like, well, you know, how did he mean that? Did he mean like, you know, he really is excited that we have practitioners, <laughs> like practitioners in a good way or like, you know, oh, the help is here. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how he meant that, but I'm going to take it on the positive way. But I mean, I, I, and you see that in, in, in the SQL Server and other technology events. There's um, if you go to SQL Saturdays or, or, or SQL event, There's a lot of people who have traditionally been kind of DBAs or data engineers, and they're wondering how is this machine learning thing and AI and and the rise of kind of smarter BI systems, how is that going to affect their career? How is that going to affect their day-to-day jobs? And there's a lot of DBAs out there who are uh, in a position
3: uh, similar to where I was, where it was kind of like, I'm going to have to retool or retire. You know, like in the staff augmentation industry, as a consultant in some of the major, like what do you call Silicon Valley type market, they're seeing more and more opening in data science, big data, data engineering, those kind of role and opportunities. Whereas you would see more on DBA type role, business intelligence, those kind of roles in the past. But like more recently, they have started picking up places like Minnesota and other markets. So uh, that was kind of interesting. So are you seeing a similar thing in, in your market? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think...
2: The DC, where I live is, uh, I live in the Washington D.C. area. So D.C. is always kind of, I like to say we're, I guess, just like Silicon Valley, we're kind of our own bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we do have a a, a pretty sizable uh, startup scene too. But uh, what's interesting is, and and one of my last jobs at Microsoft would be I would present um, uh, technology solutions to basically policymakers or congressional members of Congress and their staff. And I would show them the latest G Wiz gadget, the latest G Wiz, you know, kind of 3D rendering stuff you could do in Windows. But mm-hmm. really got their attention, and this is how I got started with data science. Mm-hmm. Would be I could take raw data and turn it into something actionable. Nice. And you know, it, there's um, what really got their attention is a number of demos that I we could pull together. Uh, you know, obviously using only Microsoft tools because they we were Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. Um, would be pulling in weather data about hurricanes, right, which is unfortunately now a very topical uh, topic. Uh, And we have data all from Hurricane Sandy that, you know, we call the Hurricane Sandy demo, where if you can kind of track the demographics of a population, population density, from the Census Bureau, uh, then you can also take uh, information from the U.S. Geological Survey about, um, you know, how different types of soil and areas that are flood-prone Uh, Then you can kind of mash that up with density of population, density of of elderly folks uh, where there's a lot of a cluster of people who who may not be able to travel on their own. Uh, You can also mash that up with uh, local state data with in terms of who has cars and who had, you know, what where their areas where there's not a lot of um, uh, transit available. Uh, And then you can you can take that data. And this is the the hypothetical scenario. Uh, Then you can. You can kind of figure out where the wind rain damage is going to be uh, based on forecast. You can kind of uh, get that that forecast path, which we've all seen on the news for mm-hmm. a hurricane and say, if mm-hmm. you're within this range now, you know, this is how you should start, you know, thinking about your evacuation plan. You know, obviously in nursing homes and, and things like that, figure out how to how to get people out, people at risk out of uh, uh, of danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the type of thing that really gets their attention. The other thing is, with with if you're really good at BI, uh, or uh, data visualization, you can turn raw data, which is raw data is everywhere. I mean, that's just we breathe data, we we exhale data. Uh, but you know, it's it's really useless on and of its own. It has to be refined. So mm-hmm. if you have the ability to turn raw data into a story, this is particularly important for a member of Congress or an elected official. Uh, they can they can infer certain information about that, and then create headlines rather than be driven by headlines. And uh, it really opens the idea of of, um, our elected officials being more proactive about problems as opposed to being reactive about problems.
3: That definitely makes sense. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. As a data lead of Winterlight, I remember going to that site and there were some uh, instructional uh, materials about data science. What is your goal with that? So I have a, I could say, could say that I'm on a
2: mission, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. There, there's a sea change coming in the technology industry, and we kind of touched upon it in terms of the academic computer science world is being drafted into c- the commercial world. If you look at all the lead data scientists at uh, the major companies like Facebook or uh, Apple or um, you know even Microsoft, uh, they all have one thing in common. They they are either part-time or former academics. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That basically uh, Facebook and, you know, I'll, I'll pick on them, but I mean, they they have a very strong relationship with, uh, I think it's NYU. So they've, they've kind of reached out to academia and academia mm-hmm. is getting involved in uh, the commercial side of business in a way that they never really have before. Uh, you also see that with the SQL crowd, uh, the data crowd where they are basically trying to figure out what their next step in career is. See, that certainly ends the software engineering uh, uh, space where people are realizing that, you know, the future of programming is gonna involve a lot more AI uh, or teaching program uh, computers how to think for themselves. Uh, so that sea change is coming, and I think I'm one of the, I'm certainly not the first, but I'm one of the more, um, you know, the um, earlier adopters. Um, and I, I just want to provide people assistance in kind of climbing over the wall from kind of traditional programming into working in data science uh, and encouraging people because a lot of people think that data science is rocket science. Uh, it certainly feels that way. Uh, it certainly sounds that way if you're not familiar with the mathematical terminologies. Uh, mm-hmm. That are being used, and you st- you just fire up a YouTube video, and somebody starts mm-hmm. talking about uh, you know uh, for GANs or you know convolutional neural networks and mm-hmm. and and some of these square problems. It's just like, what are they talking about?
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and stuff. So yeah, I was gonna add to that. Or they could just think high school uh, algebra, say y equals mx plus b, just to get some insight on linear regression, right? <laughs> right, right. And it's funny how very few YouTube videos kind of mention that simple formula.
2: You know, they, mm-hmm. they people I guess on YouTube are looking for the new hotness, and they're trying to be all cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, y equals uh, mx plus b is 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 the essence of linear regression, and um, that is really kind of the uh, it's 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 the the main formula. And so so my goal in both data driven and and at my my, my work at uh, the the Wintellect now portion of Wintellect, where we we do the online courses, is to make these concepts relatable and understandable uh, to software engineers. Uh, and that's also our mission at data-driven. Uh, Andy has a, has a database background, is a data engineer. Uh, I have a background as a software engineer. So we kind of talk about, well, you know, we get guests on to talk about, hey, you know, what is the difference between this and that, we kind of, we want to explain things in terms that people who are curious about data science can understand.
3: You also blog what kind of postings you make uh, out there. And, sure. and how, let's say, SQL, Azure, and other open source technologies are utilized in that project. Yeah, so
2: I run my blog, uh, franksworld.com, on WordPress, uh, and it's actually back-ended. Um, well, right now it's back-ended on MySQL on Azure uh, because there was an incident <laughs> with a third-party <laughs> provider that um, uh, just decided to delete my data and all their backups through a, um, a very humorous, bureaucratic mistake. Uh, I can laugh about it now, but I assure mm-hmm. you. For weeks ago, I was not laughing.
3: Yeah. Um, were they able but... to recover it? No.
2: Oh, that's a more. They were not. I know it was. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was tough. But um, you know, I I kind of, I've I've been through worse, and I kind of saw this as an opportunity because I I had this blog. I've had the website since 1995, mm-hmm. and um, I've had it as a blog, you know, in some form or another since 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had data posts going back to 2004 and while it always was cool to kind of go back and look at my posts mm-hmm. if i looked at my posts at some point the no one's looking for silverlight information anymore let's be blunt mm-hmm. um not a lot of people are looking for windows phone uh mm-hmm. or windows 8 development tips anymore which mm-hmm. is what the co- topics were so yeah. i really saw this as an opportunity to reboot uh, uh, and rebrand you know, a bit like the um you know the JJ Abrams reboot of Star Trek, you know okay. um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and uh, so you know I mean now the site is 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 you know largely focused on data science. Um, mm-hmm. I find a lot of great material out there um, and I want to share that with the world and 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 find find videos on YouTube that really explain things in in really great ways um there's an awesome gentleman by the name of suraj raval mm-hmm. who he is just he's a boring communicator he's a very smart guy mm-hmm. his videos on data science are awesome mm-hmm. um they are anything but boring and um like he'll he'll have a video title you know you know create a neural network in tensorflow in four minutes
3: yep and your first thing like,
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And your first <laughs> thought is like can't do that in four minutes. Yeah, <laughs> but you watch it. I mean, you better have a seatbelt on because it does go that fast. <laughs> yeah And <laughs> but you're still under. He does it in such a way. So talented that like he does it in such a way. At the end of four minutes, you don't understand a hundred percent, but you understand like eighty percent. Yeah,
3: pretty good. I've seen one of his recent video on I- utilizing deep learning with a StarCraft API. And, yes. And there there was some uh, programming codes he demonstrated on how it can do like a shard collection via those worker bots in Starcraft games Uh, that was kind of cool so I was like asking can you use this in Warcraft and other games and he said yes (laughs) I'm like oh cool
2: (laughs) yeah it it, it is amazing what I think we're we're really just scratching the surface in terms of what AI is going to do in entertainment and games and things like that and and the workplace and um, it's really an exciting time
3: to be in this field Nice. I think I have helped myself with way too many more questions than we had originally planned. And Shabram, do you have any uh, follow-up questions to Frank?
1: I don't, but I just want to thank you, uh, Frank, for sharing all the awesome insights. And, you know, I find, we find this talk really inspirational. I'm sure people would like to, you know, catch up with you and find out more. So if you don't mind sharing your Twitter or blog connection or social, me- social media in general, that would be awesome.
2: Sure. So, uh, you can reach me at Tablet Tier on Twitter, uh, which is a user ID that harkens back to my days, uh, doing handwriting recognition systems in Microsoft, um, windows XP tablet, PC edition. Um, so that was something I used to do a lot with, um, and you can also find me on, uh, Facebook slash, um, Frank's world TV as a, uh, is the group that I post to. And also, we also have data-driven. Um, I think data-driven TV as well on Facebook. Uh, nice. You can always check out datadriven.tv, the website. Uh, and uh, I think I mentioned this before, but franksworld.com is my
3: blog. Nice. Well, awesome. we'll be sure to check it out, and hope everybody uh, goes to it and checks out your cool work. Good luck
0: with
1: everything. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Frank. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Data Podcast. You're welcome to follow our hosts on Twitter at Rajib2K5, at Shabnam Khan 2017, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Rajib2K5. Our episodes are also available via iTunes, SoundCloud, Google, and other podcasting platforms. Thank you for tuning in.